Father, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the risen Lord Jesus? Would your word of truth warm our hearts this evening, that we might all be encouraged and reassured of the compassion that you have for us. And may Christ be glorified in this place and in our own lives, for we pray in his name. Amen. If you do have a, a, a look there in your Bibles at Matthew chapter 11, you'll, you'll notice that the context of this little short passage that we read is, is important. You've got one section from verse 1 through to 19. And this is the moment that the imprisoned John the Baptist sends his disciples to ask Jesus the key question, are you the Messiah or are you not? Are you the one we're waiting for or is it somebody else? So there's doubts about Jesus here at this point. Is he the Messiah or is he just like another rabbi that's come along and he's got a few followers beside him? Jesus also states in verse 19, if, if you look at that verse, some people have been calling him a glutton and a drunkard. So it's like rumors are flying around about who this guy is. They've been criticizing him as well for the company that he keeps. Then in the, the next section below that from verse 20 to 24, Jesus basically starts criticizing entire towns. So he mentions Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, and he cries woe upon them because of their unbelief. And he reminds people loud and clear that the judgment of God will be stern upon those who fail to repent. So when you put that kind of together there, this chapter is fascinating because Jesus is not winning any popularity prizes here, is he? In fact, it appears there's starting to be differing views about who this guy is and what his character is like. But then we come to this final section that we read, verses 25 to 30, and the tone changes entirely. In verses 25 to 27, Jesus praises his father. He talks about the closeness between father and son. He talks about the authority which he has been given by his father. And he expresses that his role is really to reveal the father to those who have been chosen. And he finishes them with these familiar words, 28 to 30. I want to read this again for us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, it's almost like the author Matthew has put the first two sections together, which kind of raise all these questions about who Jesus is, and then he's brought this section in to really reveal the true heart of Jesus. For those who had any doubt, here's who he really is. Did you know this is the only place in all of Scripture where 
Jesus reveals something directly about his own heart. He says this in verse 29, I am gentle and lowly, or your translation might say gentle and humble in heart. And we've got to understand that when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's really speaking of the entirety of a person's character and nature. We maybe in modern day think of the heart like it's your emotional center where all, all, your, emotionals are, all your emotions are, but not quite so in the New Testament. It's more about who you are right to the very core, your, your essence. And the Greek word that's used in this passage here for gentle, it's used only three other times in the whole of the New Testament. And actually, it's translated differently each time. Once, you'll, you'll be familiar, once in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, where we're told that the meek will inherit the earth. Once again in Matthew 21, where Jesus is described as coming humble and mounted on a donkey. And then there's one other time in 1 Peter chapter 3, and Peter encourages wives of husbands to have a gentle spirit. So meek, humble, and gentle is really what this word means. There's a, a writer, an American author, pastor called Dean Ortland. Some of you may be familiar with some of his many books. He wrote an entire book on this one verse about Jesus being gentle and lowly. And he says this one thing, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh or reactionary or easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. It's not a beautiful description of our Lord. I wonder though, how often do we see the opposite in our world around us? How often do we see people pointing the finger at one another, accusations flying, people stepping on top of each other to get ahead, tearing one another down? And folks, if we're honest, we're guilty of some of this too, aren't we? We're quick to anger, we're slow to listen at times. We hold on to those grudges. We get flustered and we hurt people with our words. We go on the offensive if somebody was to criticize us in any way. But not so with our Lord, the one who truly is holy, the one who has more reason to have righteous anger than any of us. And yet in his heart of hearts, he is gentle. The Greek word then, lowly, and it, it may be translated humble in your Bible there, it really carries the meaning though of being downtrodden or beaten back by life's difficult circumstances. So it's not humility as a state of mind, you know, someone who is not boastful or is not arrogant. It's someone who is, in fact, lowly. And it points us then to how accessible Jesus is to us. So he's not, you know, high and lifted up so far that he's out of reach for the sinner. He's not beyond the cries 
of our wicked hearts, despite his absolute majesty, his perfect holiness, he has made himself accessible to us. And notice then who specifically does this gentle and lowly Jesus have in mind here when he promises rest? Well, we see that in verse 28, don't we? It's to those who are weary, heavy laden, burdened. Listen to the language of invitation. He says, come to me. He says, take my yoke upon you. So we have this picture of Jesus, don't we? His arms are open wide. He's not pointing fingers. His arms are wide open. He's offering this embrace, and it's one that brings those who are weary rest. Folks, these words are like music to our ears, are they not? How often in life do we find ourselves weighed down, stressed, pressured, pushed and pulled this way, that way, anxious, overburdened, overstretched, or mentally and emotionally fatigued. Jesus sees and knows and recognizes that struggle, but he does more than just empathize. He offers rest for the soul. The one who is gentle and lowly in heart, he extends his hand to us. And folks, do you see what that means? It means we don't have to unburden ourselves before we come to Christ. We don't have to find our own rest. We don't have to regain our own strength before we come. We come as we are, even in the depths. It's like we collapse into his gracious, merciful, rejuvenating embrace. There's one thing we've got to point out here, and that is this is rest for the soul, not the body. The Bible never promises that if you're a Christian, your life is just going to be easy peasy. There's going to be no physical stress, no illness that you'll ever have to go through, no strain upon your shoulders. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He describes it in 2 Corinthians like this. We are hard-pressed on every side but we're not crushed. He says, we are perplexed in mind, but we're not in despair. He says, we are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. So Paul recognizes that truth, doesn't he? That life can be tough on body and mind, but our soul can still be strong. Why? Because we find rest in our Savior, in this gentle, lowly Jesus. He offers a yoke in verse 29. And we can maybe picture what that yoke is. You know, this New Testament time farmer illustration that we have here. This yoke that was like a big wooden structure attached to two oxen to keep them together. And it was really designed for the farmer to work them. They were under this stress and strain and they worked in these fields. So a yoke was this heavy, burdensome tool designed to enforce labor. But Jesus is being ironic here, isn't he? 
He's saying, don't take the burdensome yoke of the world upon you. Don't take the yoke of sin and temptation on your shoulders. Rather, take my yoke, which is, in fact, no yoke at all. Take my burden, which really is no burden at all. Verse 30, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Folks, as we collapse our weary, burdened selves into the embrace of Christ, as we entrust our soul to his care, he lifts that oppressive burden of sin and shame and guilt and worry and anxiety from us. His grace forgives and restores. To steal the language of the Psalms, he lifts me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He sets my feet on a rock. He gives me a firm place to stand. He puts a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And remember the important truth here, folks. All of this, every last bit of it, is undeserved. Our Lord Jesus is resplendent in his glory, in his perfection. He is untouched by sin. There is no one like him. First John 1 John 1.5 says, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. But we're the total opposite, aren't we? We're filled to the core with sin and wickedness. By nature, in fact, Paul would say, we are enemies of God. But because of his great love, Jesus has rescued us. And it's ours by faith. It's ours by faith alone in Christ alone. Such is his nature. He is gentle and lowly in heart. He cares deeply about his people. He knows our struggles day in, day out our struggle and battle with sin. He understands our weaknesses. He sees our weariness and our burdens, and he invites us to come as we are. He doesn't say, clean up your act and then come. He says, come as we are. Again, Dean Ortland, this author, he writes this, the high and holy Christ does not cringe at reaching out and touching dirty sinners and numbed sufferers. Such embrace is precisely what he loves to do. You remember what Jesus did to the outcasted leper in Matthew chapter eight? The one who nobody even wanted to go near, never mind touch. Matthew writes, a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What did Jesus do? Did he run? Did he step back? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Do you remember what Jesus did when he came across a widow who had just lost her only son to death? Luke tells us when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And moments later, he was raised to life again. 
Remember when Jesus was preaching to the crowds in Matthew 9, and he was overcome with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so what did he do? He gave himself to them. He healed their diseases. He spent time with them. He drove out demons. Remember even when his own disciples were caught in a storm at sea, they were terrified. And who was it that came to them? It was Jesus. He walked on the water. He appeared. He said, take courage. Why? It is I. You don't need to be afraid. Folks, this is Jesus, and he's our savior. He's the spotless lamb who is perfect in every way. He's the most holy and high God. But he's also the friend of sinners. He's the one who offers rest to the weary, the one who is gentle and lowly in heart. And he invites us to come as we are and discover his grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that speaks so clearly of who Jesus is. Not only what he's done, but who he is. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in this way. And we thank you that we can indeed know you and be loved by you. And Father, we come tonight, we are far from perfect. We have flaws, we have weaknesses. We struggle with sin, oh, we know it well. But Lord, we also have worry in our lives and anxiety. We have pressures at home or at work. We have arguments with our friends or our colleagues or our neighbors. We're pushed and pulled this way, that way. Lord, we thank you that you have solved the biggest problem in our lives, the sin in our hearts. But you also seek to journey with us through all the rest of the difficulty as we are weary and burdened. Lord, we thank you for the rest that you offer our soul. Would you help us to trust in you? Would you help us to come to the cross, the foot of that cross where our sins are dealt with? But not only our sin, would you help us to unburden the weights that are upon our shoulders, to leave them at the feet of Christ? Father, strengthen us, we pray. Fix our eyes on the author of our salvation and on him alone. We thank you for your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.